As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. And it looks like we're live. We're going to let this stream breathe for just a few seconds here to make sure that we're good and streaming clearly across all of our social media platforms. Uh, looks like we're good, guys. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country, and welcome into a crossover edition of the Huddle Up podcast. And now I, I probably understand some of you guys are thinking – uh, Chad actually had some some family stuff going on. They're going on a mini vacation. So Zach was kind enough to ask me to join. And of course, I'd oblige him. Uh, once again, guys, welcome into the Huddle Up podcast. I'm Lance Sanderson, your host today. And uh, joining me as always is Zach Kelberman. Zach, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's my favorite part of the week, as Chad always say. It's the Mile High Mailbag, and we want to get into that. Also, we have some Pat Shermer. He had a, a virtual presser today. We have some Broncos news to discuss. And also, we're going to get into, if we have time, our top five worst moments of our respective time frames uh, covering the Broncos and rooting for the Broncos and watching the Broncos. It's going to be fun. Yeah, no, I, I'm really excited about today. Uh, it was kind of kind of a, a breath of fresh air to get a press conference from the, from the Broncos yes. this, the, today. They got, uh, let's see, Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel, um, Tom McMahon spoke briefly about uh, Sam Martin as well, which we, I mean, Sam Martin's awesome. Tom McMahon, we've, we all know how Zach feels about Tom McMahon, but uh, uh, then we did get some very interesting stuff from Pat Shermer. Now, guys, before we get into that, first off, Make sure you guys are following me at uh, – you can follow me at Sanderson MHH and for Zach at uh, Kelberman NFL. Make sure you guys are also following the show at Huddle Up Pod. Uh, it's the easiest way to keep your fingers on the pulse of what's going on with the show, not only our show, but as well as Dove Valley Deep Divers and Building the Broncos. Also, head on over. Make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle for instant news updates, uh, breaking news and analysis on your Denver Broncos. And if you guys are financially capable in a position you can actually do so, head on over to HuddleUpPod.com. Get your hat, get yourself a hat, 
like mine, one like Zach's, you can get a face mask, a mug, there's hoodies, something for everybody, you know, men's stuff, women's stuff. Get on over there and support the show. And if nothing else, there's three things that you guys can do to make sure you're supporting the show in any way possible. First things first, subscribe wherever you guys are watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, anything like that. Subscribe, click the like button, like every video that you guys see from the Huddle Up podcast shows. And if you really love what we're doing, share it out. Get it in front of as many Broncos fans as you possibly can to really help the show grow. We're growing exponentially on Twitter right now. This last week, we just crossed the 7,000 subscribers on YouTube. So uh, that's a that's a pretty big mark, man. 7,000 subscribers. Obviously, the number seven with, with John Elway and everything he has done means a lot to Broncos fans. So we, this week, especially, we're doing a, a bunch of extra cool stuff. You know, the like today, the if we get a chance to get to it, our top five worst moments of uh, our, the, the Broncos over the last couple of years. Anyways, Zach's going to go from 2016 on, which is when he started covering the Broncos for 24 seven sports, right? That was where, yeah. that's where we started. Yep. Um, and I'm, I've got a couple from before then, but anyways, guys, the meat and potato of the show, the, uh, Obviously, with Pat Shermer going in, he had some very interesting comments regarding what uh, the Broncos are going to be using Melvin Gordon and Phillips Lindsay specifically. And he said, quote, they'll have specific rules. I think there are times when they both can be on the field at the same time. There are times when one or the other will be on the field. I think they share the same skill set in terms of when you're a running back, you have to obviously be able to run the ball effectively, which they both can do. Whether we're running the ball inside or outside, you have to be aware enough and physical enough to pass protect, to protect the quarterback. And then when we choose to throw you the ball, whether you're primary or you're the outlet, you need to be able to catch the ball and do something with it. We're going to stop right there, Zach. And I want kind of your take. What do you think of the Broncos potentially getting Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay on the field at the exact same time? First of all, it, it's an it's an offensive mismatch for opposing defenses. It's it's going to cause confusion. It's going to and who do you cover in that scenario? If you have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy out there, Noah Fant, who do you cover and, and who do you uh, choose to let run down the field? My only thing is, and I, I know you're used to having Eric, and he's the contrarian for your show. I'm the contrarian for this show, and I just want to say if they share the same skill set. Why even sign Melvin Gordon? If Philip Lindsay is already, you consider him a three-down running back, or he can do a lot of things. Why bring in a guy for sixteen million dollars? That's if you watch the show, Lance, you'll know that I, I'm not crazy about that contract. He's an oh, he's a good player, Melvin Gordon, and he's going to help this offense out. But I want Lindsay to get on the field. I want him not to be riding the bench because you're hurting the offense, you're hurting the team by putting one of your more, one of your more dynamic playmakers. And letting him run on the bench. I, Melvin Gordon can be the early down guy. He can be what the Broncos envisioned Royce Freeman to be, and then some. But you can't also hide Philip Lindsay. You have to let him go out there, let him do his thing, which is explosive, and it's uh, it's an asset for this offense. No, I, I totally agree with you. And actually, Eric and I talked to, about this briefly last week on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast about kind of the way that Royce Freeman's going to fit into into the into the rotation with these three. And we really didn't like find a, a place for him with what Melvin Gordon is is capable of doing and with what Philip Lindsay is already doing. You know, the the reason why the Broncos brought in Melvin Gordon is because he is a a far superior pass protector, and there's no doubt about that. He's also a a far superior pass catcher out of the backfield than Philip Lindsay, and there's no 
doubt about that at all. Uh, like Philip Lindsay is a very good jitterbug kind of a player, but if you know if if he and Royce Freeman switched their frames, if if Royce Freeman was the small jitterbug kind of a guy with his running mentality, trying to stretch the field horizontally and then get vertical, you know, running those zone stretch plays uh, like they were doing up in Oregon before he got drafted by the Broncos, he just doesn't fit with what uh, with yeah. what Rich Gangarello wanted to do last year or with what Pat Shermer wants to do this year. Philip Lindsay is a, a tough between the tackles runner, but he's so better suited and his skill set as to stretch the field uh, horizontally first and then get vertical. So for, to me, there's there's a yin and a yang there with what Melvin Gordon wants to do and what Royce Freeman wants to do. But as far as Philip Lindsay, they are the same as far as a runner. But as far as pass protectors and stuff like that, that's where you're going to see Royce Freeman have his niche in this offense if he does actually get that opportunity. It's going to be on third downs because he is a better pass protector and a better receiver out of the backfield, not only out of the backfield, but also lined up out wide. He, he impressed me a lot last year out wide so it's just it was kind of an interesting thing for for pat Shermer to say that the 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 his season is like the same kind of a player they they're both very good at, in in the same ways when they're completely not i'm not sure exactly he was talking about there but i mean to each their own I, we, you never know what you're gonna see so one thing that drove me crazy about Scangarello last year, he called plays for Lindsay that should have went for Freeman and vice versa. He had yep. Lindsay running inside the tackles and he had Freeman bouncing outside. He didn't take advantage of their respective skill sets. At least Shermer realizes that he's going to use Lindsay, like you said, like a jitterbug, like an X factor, like a game breaker. He's going to be the wild card on this offense. And I see the comments. I'm not really hating on Melvin Gordon. He can be an asset and he will be an asset to this offense. He is going to be uh, the, the, the guy. It's it's one A and one B, and Gordon's the one A guy for now. I'm just saying you can't bury Philip Lindsay on the bench. You have to get him on the field. Like like Lance just said, split him out wide, get him in motion, get the ball in his hands. He will make things happen. He's still a playmaker, even if you want to crap on his pass catching ability, which can be taught by the way, which can be groomed. Same with pass blocking. He has a huge role in this offense, and I, at least Shermer realizes that, and he's like going to hopefully call the right plays that best suit him. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's it's just a. I, I really hope that Shermer actually can do something like that. And getting both of those, as you said in your first little diatribe there, the uh, the fact that you can get a Philip Lindsay and a Melvin Gordon on the field at the same time, there's such a, a dynamic mismatch aspect in that in that happening. Philip Lindsay obviously being a, a better runner than receiver, so you can actually split out Melvin Gordon out wide a little bit and use him as a receiver more specifically. Get some motions, get some stuff like that going where you can bring Philip Lindsay out from split out wide, get a motion in the backfield, cross the face on on like some some zodery kind of stuff like that. Pitch the ball back to the outside, Melvin Gordon coming out in the flat. Like there's a bunch of dynamic aspects yeah. that you can use, and, and having that multiple running, multiple threat runner in the backfield as well, as, especially with a with a mobile quarterback like Drew. Lott. Now, to wrap this conversation up just a little bit, let's go back to we're going to take another look at the uh, the uh, the second half of this really fast. Uh, let me find out where I was at. I do I do apologize. So he he continues the skirmer again. He continues. I think both of those players that we're mentioning, not to mention the other runners we have on the team, they can do all three of those things. What separates a running back and and both of those players have it, Philip as well as Melvin and Royce and really all the backs is that you got to have some collision balance. Your ability to break a tackle, bounce and create what is normally a good gain into an explosive gain. They they share those traits. They've been they've both been very productive in this league, and we intend to use both of them in the same way. 
Now, I, I actually agree with that with Melvin Gordon. He is a tough tackler, especially when you get him into the into the the red area in the red zone. He's got such a huge nose for the end zone. He doesn't go down very easily. Philip Lindsay likes to hit and create contact, but you're not seeing him like run guys over. He just doesn't have the stature for that. So I guess I don't understand that making guys miss in that aspect. Maybe the jitterbug aspect. The those I saw it on Twitter from from a guy that I follow. Those slalom type runs where he's yeah. bouncing in, bouncing out, bouncing like that kind of sneaky aspect using his size to be able to like his limited stature to be able to make guys miss just because they can't hardly see him behind the offensive lineman. But do you see that kind of a run over back in, in, in Philip Lindsay or is, is, is Shermer kind of speaking out both sides of his mouth here? I, I can kind of see where he's coming from because in the time where Scangarello would call those plays up the middle and between the tackles, Philip Lindsay held held up well for himself for being kind of a, a diminutive guy, a smaller guy, a lighter guy, especially coming off that wrist injury. He was doing pretty well in the red zone. Remember Dalton Reiser threw him over the midget toss yep. into the end zone? I mean, he can run between the tackles, but it's not what he does best. Now, speaking to your last point, though, you split Philip Lindsay out wide, get him on a linebacker, he'll do damage. He'll shake yeah. any linebacker. He can run past his safety. He might not be able to out-physical them, but he can definitely outrun them. But as good as he is outside, and that's where his skill set lies, you can run him between the tackles. But to me, Shermer, I think, knows, maybe he was just misspeaking, that it's going to be Gordon and Freeman running the bruising back up the middle, following the guards, following the centers up the A-gap, and that's where they'll do their best damage. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. All right, now, guys, again, this is Thursday night. Everybody knows Thursday night is the mile-high mailbag, and this is where your guys' football priest, not me in per, in particular, but Chad and Zach, the football honorary. priest. The honorary. I'll, you know, I'll take it. Uh, but uh, me as the honorary football priest, we are here to offer you the absolution and answers to all of your burning Broncos questions. Did I hit Nailed that right? It. Now, oh boy, look at this guy go. I'm filling in perfectly. <laughs> I'm excited for myself. But anyways, guys, uh, get your questions dialed up. We're going to go back through and say hello before we get going on any of this stuff to some of the people in the in the comment stream. Obviously, let's see here. Bolana doing his thing there as the administrator and the moderator here, the mayor of the YouTube community, so they say. Christy as well. Kenneth Booker, Ryan Hamilton, Eddie Vasquez. 
Okay. Uh, let's see here. What's going on? How are we doing today, guys? We appreciate you all for joining us. Gary Palmer, 719, coming in with a super chat here. $10 donation. We appreciate Thank that. You, Gary. Thank you, Gary. We appreciate you, man. Sorry I missed yesterday's podcast, but I was celebrating my 81st birthday. Still kicking. Hey, happy birthday, man. First, man. God bless you, Gary. Yeah. First off, first off, God bless you for making 81. And secondly, for being <laughs> yeah. able to be an 81-year-old and figure out a way to, to uh, manipulate through YouTube and find our Broncos <laughs> content, man. Like, that's awesome. We appreciate that, dude. Many more, Gary. Many more. Yeah. yeah. Happy birthday. Once again, happy belated birthday from everybody at Mile High Huddle, including the Huddle Up podcast, Dove Valley Deep Divers, Building the Broncos, and everybody uh, on the on the staff as well. Man, we, we appreciate you. Uh-oh, here he is. Zeus. Raining down from Mount Olympus itself. From the clouds. From the clouds. $20 donation. So consistent. So so we appreciate you, man. Who's ready for some football? I guarantee you I am. It was – it was such a, like I said earlier, it was such a breath of fresh air and, and like a, a gets you to like breathe a huge sigh of relief to be able to, to get some kind of Broncos news. And we can take those quotes, we can turn them into, you know, 15 or 20 different stories and, and manipulate that to, to kind of help us through this next, you know, what, month and a half or so before we get to the franchise tag deadline yeah. and getting into, into training camp and everything like that. Like uh, it's, it's just so nice to be able to have that where you can finally talk just a little bit of football. Especially since they canceled, you know, in, in-house OTAs and in-house practices. It's going to be all virtual until training camp. We don't know when that's going to start, but we know that come September there's going to be a season, fans or no fans, and it literally cannot come soon enough. Yeah, no, Stu coming back in with another $10 to wish a uh, uh, happy birthday to Gary. Stu, man, you know, awesome. you know you don't you, you know you don't have to do that, man. It, it, we, we appreciate you for, for that. But, ha- again, happy birthday to Gary. All right, let's see if I can't find another couple of questions here. Um, Eddie Vasquez coming in with a $3.51 set super chat. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks, guys, for my daily dose of Broncos talk. Hey, thank you for joining us, man. We, like I said, we appreciate you. Come on over and check out the Dove Valley Deep Diver sometime. Seriously, we, <laughs> we we go a little bit different direction, try to get a little bit more analytical and stuff like that than, than Chad and Zach. They do a really good job of getting all your guys' questions, and we do as well, but there's a we do some different kind of uh, discussions on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Uh, Chase Wellner with another with a five dollar super chat here. There's no way to tell yet, but do you think Shermer would put Phil at Wildcat more or less? That's actually kind of an intriguing mm. question. Does Philip Lindsay possess the ability to throw the football uh, efficiently <laughs> enough to be able to like to be a Wildcat quarterback, or is that just specifically some run looks there? I, I would I would say it's a trick package kind of run look, but I'm not too high on the Wildcat package. I think that died with Ronnie Brown and the Dolphins. I think NFL caught up to that. You could use it every now and then as the element of surprise, but I wouldn't lean on that as an offensive staple. Interesting question, though. No, it's a, it's a very good question. I agree with with Zach here, though. Um, the the Wildcat can be used effectively if you're in like a trick play scenario and stuff like that. But as a as a staple of your offense, why would you take the football out of Drew Locke's hands and, right. and like hinder that development any more than you already are just by him being a a, a second year player? You know, right. he's only has five starts. Why would you take the football out of his hands and and have that extra learning ability to to run a trick play where he has to line up off the line of scrimmage and not do anything while you're just pounding the run in some down somebody's throat and probably ineffectively because ever it's so telegraphed that that's what's coming but a pretty interesting question 
It would be kind of crazy, though, if they had Philip Lindsay at Wildcat, then you had KJ Hamler motioning and kind of doing those Tavon Austin type things. It's just, there's so many different ways Shermer can employ this offense. Chase, I would not be surprised, though, if you see that actually happen in real life this season. Just don't look for Shermer to kind of lean on that for the reasons that Lance just laid out. Yeah, it, it could be a, a, you know, with the jet sweep motion and the rocket motion and stuff like that, it, especially with KJ Hamler getting that multi dimensional, multifaceted speed attack that, that he brings to this offense. I mean, you could even see some of that with Jerry Judy, who's no slouch as far as a, as a runner as well. Yeah, it was a low four fours, but still, that's a that's pretty dang quick, especially for a wide receiver of his size. But the 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 jet motions and stuff like that. I would really like to see a lot of that window dressing, especially after watching what the Kansas City Chiefs have done over the past, what, 10 years, uh, especially with Andy Reid in the forefront, where they have a bunch of different motions, different uh, different packages where they line up in one way, move five guys all at the same time, completely realign, and then motion back behind it, window dress the heck out of it, and you can create a bunch of dynamic mismatches there. And then it, it gives defensive coordinators, opposing defensive coordinators, pause for the next time they line up on the field. It's like, who do you cover? Where are they going to go with the football? There's no such thing as having too many weapons, and that's what we're going to see with Shermer utilizing all of them this season. Yeah, it's gonna it's really gonna boost up Drew Locke's progression as well. Like his the, his his development ability is gonna like like hinder on this specifically having all these weapons step up. And it may not be, it may not happen this year specifically, but to have those guys step in and have an immediate impact is definitely gonna help Drew Locke develop and and turn into that franchise quarterback of the future that we all at least hope that he's going to be. Absolutely. All right, Ian Garrett coming in with a dollar ninety nine cents. Any word if Thank they'll you. have full stadiums this year? Thank you, Ian. We appreciate that. Um, as far as as last I've heard, with everything going on in the world, we're not going to say that. It's like the the he who shall not be named <laughs> other player that we don't like to talk about. But uh, uh, with with everything going on, the state of affairs in the world, I we, I don't know. There's there's no for sure telling sign about that. I know that in in Wyoming where I'm from. The, the state is pretty much open for the majority. Like there is some social distancing stuff that's still going on. I don't know if I just hit a buzzword or not as far as like restaurants and stuff are going, but they're, they're, they're talking about bringing back the, like our County fair, um, having some 4th of July parades and, and opening up the casino here in town so that people can get back to kind of some sense of normalcy before everything happens. So as far as the stadiums go, I haven't heard anything, Zach, have you? I haven't either. And you know what? No one knows anything right now. NFL teams don't even know when they're going to re- be reporting till tr- for training camp officially. Everything's up in the air. And everything from this issue that shall not be named has changed from a week-to-week basis. And I think the NFL is just biding their time right now and thinking, okay, it's June 11th right now. We're, we're talking about September. We're going to have fans. We're going to have limited fans. We're going to have crowd noise. These are questions that they don't even know, so we don't know either. Yeah. Yep. No, there's and there's no really way of telling it yet. Yet that is that is the thing here. Uh, let's see here. See if I can't find something. Jerry Holland coming in on Facebook saying Lindsey can improve catching the ball, and I bet he can master it. And that's that's absolutely true. Uh, learning how to catch the football out of the backfield and being a dynamic receiver is a is a coachable trait. You can you can yes. coach a guy on being a better receiver out of the backfield. We just haven't seen that yet. And in fact, Pat Shermer, right after he got hired, put the onus on Philip Lindsay to become a better pass catcher out of the backfield. And then they go out and they get a Melvin Gordon, who is a better pass catcher. So it kind of speaks volumes as to what they think of Philip Lindsay as of this particular moment, as of what they saw coming out of 2019 season. So. 
this is a point that I made ex- directly after the Melvin Gordon signing. It's like you're going to spend $16 million on a guy because you don't have confidence that Philip Lindsay can catch the football. If the Giants can teach Tiki Barber back in the day to not fumble and to hold the ball up here, you can teach a running back to do anything. It, it, catching a football is something that we all do from peewee to high school to college to the NFL. It's a very easy trait to learn. I don't know if the Broncos have apprehension because of his wrist injury. I don't know if they think he's too small and too frail to do it, but you saw him last year. He can catch passes. He doesn't have bricks for hands. It's a teachable trait for sure. That's why the, the $16 million they gave Melvin Gordon specifically for that trait kind of blew my mind. Yeah. Well, when you have Philip Lindsay, who who also led the team in drops last year, I understand why, why you know, you're kind of – gives yourself just a little bit of pause. But still at the same time, man, you can you can get better with that. Hit the jugs machine. I mean, Cortland Sutton has some drop issues as well. Like you, He's got some very frustrating drop issues. Go back to that Kansas City game in, what was it, week 14 or 15 in Kansas City in the snow. He had three drops before he ended up to, like coming back in that game and having a much better improved second half and, and – actually ended up breaking over a thousand yards on the season in that second half of that game. But still like Cortland Sutton, there's some, uh, everybody has drop issues. Even Demarius Thomas, Rod Smith, Demarius Thomas Thomas. had, had drop issues for the longest time for the Broncos. Rod Smith had drop issues for the longest time for the Broncos, but you, you've got to figure out a way to overcome that. And Philip Lindsay, I think he has the ability and the mental, the mental fortitude to be able to do so. And the motivation this season. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, Duke Boynton coming in with a with a super chat. Uh, thank thank you, you, Duke. We appreciate you joining us tonight. Nick Wrong, uh, <laughs> regard, uh, referring to Nick Wright from Fox Sports One. Is it what is it? First take or something? First take first or first things first? Something like yeah. that. I don't. I don't watch those. Those Who ridiculous. Cares? Yeah, they're, they're shock jock. That's all they are. Is just the shock jock. But anyways, Nick Wright is going to be so butthurt when Denver wins four games. He will have to call Frank the strong, a strong arm Azar to get some emotional compensation. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. So, uh, Zach, I'm not sure where you're at exactly, but Frank D. Azar is a uh, is a lawyer in the Denver area and uh, okay. has he's he's a financial compensation guy for like people who've been in car accidents and work related incidents and stuff like that. He does uh, you you one of those you might be entitled to legal compensation for gotcha. because you you stood around some uh, roundup for too long and ended up getting cancer. Like that's that's who Frank Azar is. But I I appreciate that. Yeah, the mesothelioma. There you go. <laughs> You know what, though? I mean, <laughs> I, I've offered on Twitter for Nick Wright. Obviously, he didn't see it or he didn't want to respond to come on the show and debate me for five minutes as to why the Broncos are going to go three and 13 this year. But just as Adam Rank predicted two and 14 last oh, season, he'll be eating his crow publicly if he has any sense of shame by February at the latest when the Broncos are in the playoffs and they win nine or 10 games this season. Don't even listen to him. And again, I will say for anyone who's paying attention to the hashtag, let them hate. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, let him. Hey, I've I've seen that on your social media the other day. Make sure you guys are following uh, Zach at Kelberman NFL, by the way, because he does post up some very good opinions of, of, regarding the Broncos and stuff like that. I know we we don't get to have him on Mile High Huddle very often. He's a part of the the Huddle Up podcast, but doing your your dirty work down over at that that Cowboys blog that we don't like <laughs> to talk about very often. But no, uh, no he's he's still a still a big Broncos fan. Puts out a lot of good quality Broncos content. Hey, quick question for you, just on my end here. Yeah. When is the next uh, Kelberman's corner coming out? I know that you had started off that mailbag deal being as this is the the mile high mailbag when are you going to get around to answering some more questions for milehighhuddle.com i am looking for the right question to answer but i was actually going to turn what we did the top five moments top you know top five best top five worst i'm going to make that into an article that's coming soon but the next time i'm looking out for questions guys so hit me up on twitter drop a question in here i'll go through them i want to i wanted to kind of for a, a, a let them hate article or a column about that to kind of dispel all this negative energy surrounding drew lock and the redraft and all the the criticism that drew for whatever reason so look out for that very soon kelberman's corner that's a good plug, Chad. Hey, Chad. See, that's where I'm conditioned to say that. I'm, I'm so sorry, Lance. That's a good it's plug, good. Lance. I appreciate it's, you. It's it's all good, man. I've I've almost called you Eric. Impression. I was gonna say I've almost called you Eric a couple times. So I mean, that is Breathing. what it is. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, getting back to football here. Mr. Orange coming in on YouTube saying, uh, give Drew Locke one to two more seconds to throw the ball. We're talking a massive jump year two. Gordon helps give him that extra second. That's the benefit of veteran and size. I totally actually agree with this. Melvin Gordon, as far as recognizing, identifying where a blitzer is coming from and stepping up and, and picking up that blitz is such a, a, a superior pass protector than Philip yeah. Lindsay and even over uh, Royce Freeman, who does a very good job himself. Melvin Gordon is an a, a incredibly talented pass protector at, out of the running back position and giving Drew Locke that extra half a second even, not one, like not even a full second, an extra half a second to make up his mind, step into a throw and not throw off his back foot. It's probably the biggest key. One of the biggest keys to his development is making sure he maintains his pocket, his pocket footwork and doesn't throw off his back foot, which he has a tendency to do on a, on a very like regular basis. So giving him that extra half a second to step up and throw the football cleanly off of a good base is going to help his accuracy issues. And it's also going to help him dictate where the ball is going down the field in, in that aspect as well. So I will say that Melvin Gordon, that's probably the biggest thing he brings to the table from a a tangible standpoint is pass protection. And Devontae Booker was the best Broncos pass protecting back the last couple of years. And Melvin Gordon is just night and day better than him. So uh, for for that reason, I do like the signing. I think like the the question or the the comment pointed out, that's going to help them and Drew Locke immensely in his first year as a full-time starter. Yep. Uh, let's see if I can't find a couple of questions here. Again, this is the Mile High Huddle mailbag, so make sure you guys get them in quickly here. Um, I don't have a whole lot of time to, to hang out. We got at least an hour. We're at, what, 25 minutes right now. So make sure you guys are getting some questions in here for us. Uh, is Tavon Austin still a cowboy with that price tag? Yes. Or no? He's a free agent still. They, had, okay. they didn't resign him. 
Sleek Trope coming in on YouTube. Is Marshall the future safety for the Broncos when Kareem Jackson retires? Love the deep divers, by the way. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Zach, go ahead. Future safety? I don't I don't know about that. I mean, he he's a guy where you can win being the sum of all your parts. You have Trey Marshall, you have Douglas Coleman, obviously you have Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. I don't know about the future safety, but I will say at Vic Fangio's system, he is known for developing safeties over the years. And if he gets his hands on Trey Marshall, he thinks he's he can be the guy, then he can be the guy. I just think this is a position they'll go into the next year's draft prioritizing the third safety and maybe even, like the question says, a future replacement for Kareem Jackson. Well, see, the thing is with, with Trey Marshall, he's not suited to play that in-the-box kind of dynamic Swiss, Swiss Army knife chess piece that Kareem Jackson's right. playing right now. He's much better suited off the ball, deep in coverage as that deep safety, and he's going to be the primary backup behind Justin Simmons. You're not going to see him on the field very often because Justin Simmons is like – he doesn't get hurt. He's He hasn't missed a snap in like three seasons or something like that. It's just been absolutely amazing what Justin Simmons has been able to do on the field. He's grown into one of the best, if not the best. I mean, you could probably make that argument that Justin Simmons is the best free safety in all of the NFL right now. And Trey Marshall is going to be his primary backup because he doesn't offer that versatility to be able to slide down inside. He's not a very good tackler in that aspect. He's not going to take on blockers in the running game. That's where you're going to see. And this is actually in an article that I wrote the other day for Mile High Huddle. And in fact, it published this morning um, about five defenders that the Broncos need to have step up that are critical to Vic Fangio's defense taking that next step and being that top five unit that we all think that it can be Duke Dawson and Isaac Yadam are the two guys that you're going to yeah. see in that role. You're not going to see Trey Marshall playing that. You're going to see him off the ball, and he's primarily going to be a special teams player. This is a great question, and I love it, but don't get the, the roles twisted in this aspect. Kareem Jackson and Trey Marshall are not one and the same, not only just talent-wise, but in what they are able to do. I will say, though, that they lost Will Parks and they didn't choose to replace him with another veteran. So that's, that speaks volumes about Trey Marshall's stock in yep. the organization. The Broncos obviously think they have something with him. Yeah, no, and that's that's a great point. Um, you know, Will Parks actually turned down uh, more money to come back to Denver than he actually ended up taking in Philadelphia. And a big part of that is because we've talked we've talked about it on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. He's a philanthropist at heart, and he's from Philadelphia. He right. loves that city, so he wanted to go there. He actually got an offer, I believe, for more money to come back to Denver. Turned it down because he wanted the opportunity to start, and he wanted to go home. So I don't blame him. No, I, I would have done the same thing, probably. Yep, yep. I would have. I would have too. Tyler Troisi coming in here. Zach, I ha- I'm not sure if you've been on Twitter today. Did you guys see the video of yeah, Jerry Judy's footwork? That was beast. awesome. Yeah, that was absolutely awesome. He looks in midseason form right now, and if he can continue to to just grow and develop, that he was the best route runner in the draft. I don't think there's any question about that. He was my number one wide receiver in the draft, but still, man, he that that footwork just looked amazing. His hips so fluid. And it's so encouraging because this is a young guy putting in the work with no off-season program, with no practices right now. He, he just came to Denver. He, he's getting the lay of the land down. He's recording himself going through those, those uh, workouts. So it's very encouraging that a young guy wants to be great, and he will be great starting in 2020. Yeah, no, that's absolutely correct. I'm so excited for for Jerry Judy. It's it, with even with especially with KJ Hamler that that multidimensional speed aspect that you get with him and Judy being such a great route runner. They're going to work in such perfect complement. Oh man, Melvin oh, Gordon, who do you stop? Who do you cover? It, it's going to be so fun to watch, Lance. Yeah, oh, it's going to be amazing. Let's see here. I think the comment stream did one of those jumps you guys are always talking about because I'm not finding any of these super chats that just came rolling in here. There we go. 
J Step coming in with a with a super chat two dollar donation you, here. Any word if Bryce Callahan is training yet? Actually, yes. Uh, Ed Donatel spoke with him. I didn't get a chance to uh, to to go back and read Ed Donatel's quotes that Chad had sent me, but uh, Bryce Callahan is training, and it sounds like he's on a on a path to actually be ready to play. Uh, starting starting training camp. So uh, Ed Donatel had some some pretty interesting words about that. Zach, I don't know. Did you get a chance to read those quotes yet? I saw it on Twitter. He said he looks good, which is a pretty cliche thing to say at this point of the of the, uh, the offseason. And I'm going to just say it's Bryce Callahan until proven otherwise. It's a quote. He's an imaginary figure until he steps on the field. I want to see him <laughs> actually perform, and I want to see what he can do. But you know what? After missing the entire 2019 season coming off foot surgery, he should be healthy right now. The Broncos have a huge problem if to this point in June 11, 2020, he's not healthy yet. Yeah, no, that's that's the biggest thing. There's such a freak injury though that screw breaking off in his foot. Like that's how do you predict something like that? And it looks, it sounded like he was actually playing pretty well in training camp when he actually did get a chance to see the field. Get his his foot stepped on. That screw breaks off. Had to do a corrective surgery on that. But if he does come back, man, there's. There was a reason why in my article, go ahead and check that out, guys, on milehighhuddle.com. I didn't actually have Bryce Callahan as one of those five guys that needs to step up. And the reason why is because as far as a slot player goes, he's one of the best slot cornerbacks in the NFL. And if he's healthy, he's going to be an an immediate upgrade over what the Broncos had last year, especially with Chris Harris Jr. and his struggles last year. But if Bryce Callahan can come back and play healthy, it's going to be an amazing boost for this defense. So you don't don't really need to like say he needs to have that step-up season. He needs to have a bounce-back season. Season for sure, get healthy. But the the guy that needs to step up at the cornerback position is Devonte Bosby because there is little depth on the exterior of the Broncos' uh, pass defense out on the boundary. You have AJ Bouye behind that, a bunch of nobodies. It, it, like yeah. there's no depth, and Devonte Bosby coming back healthy is a very critical key to Vic Fangio's defense taking that next step. So. This is why I think they sh- still should assign Prince and Mukamara just have some veteran depth in that secondary. But you know what, though, I, that's a perfect point you made, Lance, and I, I was gonna I was gonna co-sign that. Bryce Callahan, if he plays up to par, he can be better than what Chris Harris Jr. was last year, and AJ Boye is better than any other Broncos cornerback was last year. So you're potentially getting two upgraded players if they can both play to potential and if Callahan can stay healthy. But I'm with you, Devontae Bosby looked good. He had that scary neck injury. He was kind of up in the air. He was a late resigning this offseason. You know, you have uh, the Ojemudia also. I mean, he's an unproven guy. You have a lot of question marks there and a lot more questions than answers to this point. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, seeing a lot of love for Wyoming in here. Uh, the guy driving from Dubois to Thermopolis and not seeing a single soul. If you did that and you drove through Riverton, you would have saw me. I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James Campbell coming in from across the pond, showing that Broncos country is in fact a state of being and not a geographical location. I know I got that backwards, but we like to screw around <laughs> a little bit on DVDD. Uh, two pounds on the donation. Uh, FAO, Chad, Zach, interpret, please. FAO. Oh. Oh, he says, uh, please make a, DV- a second DVDD pod, hashtag DVDD. There you go. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, the, the love and the outpouring of support that we've gotten for that, once we dropped that idea on on trying to get a, a Dove Valley Deep Divers episode earlier in the day on Saturday, it's just been amazing, man. We've got a bunch of Twitter comments. I've got some direct messages. James, come at me, uh, and Eric as well. Uh, just the, the amount of love and support that this this following that we have it, it, like shows us is amazing and it really is like breathtaking honestly it takes words out right out of my mouth there's there's no amount of appreciation i can give to anybody out there right now for your guys's love and support for us and and tuning in every single night to all these live podcasts so i don't know about you zach but to me like it it warms my heart especially in these trying times right now yeah, we Chad and I say it almost every podcast. We are blown away by the support that we get, the interaction that we get. And guys, Lance and Eric do great work on DVD. To go follow them on Twitter, I believe it's DD DVDD underscore football pod. No, nope, just DV, DVDD underscore pod. Here, let me grab the there banner real fast. Uh, let's see here. See if I can find it. They're all messed up in here. Here it is. Follow us at DVDD underscore pod. Get at that, guys. We don't do a whole lot of talking on DVDD, uh, at least on the uh, – well, we do on, on the show, but on the on the Twitter account, we don't do a whole lot of talking on that. It's just more of an update on what we've got going on with the show that day. But at the same time, follow that. Get 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 after us and uh, give us a whole bunch of questions. Find me at Sanderson MHH. Find Eric at Eric Trickle. Notice the CK in Eric and the EL in Trickle because people have actually messed that up and – not and it's <laughs> led him in the wrong direction. Let's just say that. Hey, yeah, that's right. Bawana come in. Everyone, uh, Christy Ramiti and Stu suggest giving a like. Make sure you smash that like button, guys. Smash it, tap it, press it as long as it gets pressed. <laughs> All right, Bawana, thanks for taking over the comment stream. I appreciate you, man. Uh, Kevin Peterson coming in on super here. It'll be a breeze for Phil to catch passes. He will be so open for the for the fact that they can't cover everyone. Uh, the passes that will go his way will be a mismatch. Hashtag Zach's book fund. <laughs> Everybody, I got Nick's beer fund, Eric's tie fund, and I got my book fund going on behind me. It's Kevin yeah. just, you know, he's he's trolling me. He wants more of my bookshelf behind me. It's going to happen. There's going to be football books. There are going to be a bunch of stuff, Kevin. So after every pod, be sure to look out for that. It's going to be slowly built up. Appreciate what is, you. What is that behind you, your fourth grade report card? <laughs> he, said, he said the same thing. Did you read that comment? I he did. said the same thing. I did. I'm like, no, that's a writing award. I know it looks like one, but it's actually an award that I'm very proud of, Kevin. So thanks for <laughs> bad about it. Uh, no, that's great, man. You know what? I, if I if I had the the first article I ever wrote and and put it behind me, it would be it would be pretty bad. It, but this stuff over here, that's yeah. uh, from me going to the NFL draft last year. So that's, that's like, like that right there is my press credential. So, but. Uh, we're going to get Lance's uh, wall fund going soon. <laughs> Lance's wall fund. Hey, <laughs> more no, the, the, the hashtag, uh-oh, 
Jody coming in here. Bulls still sucks. Okay. I, I didn't want to have to do this. But <laughs> Facts, he says. I didn't want to have to do this, but we went on a diatribe. Eric and I did a couple weeks ago after the Broncos uh, passed up on extending Garrett Bulls, the fifth-year option. And I know Jody's just doing this to troll me. But at the same time, guys, I want to squash some of this narrative that Garrett Bowles is actually the worst pass-protecting left tackle in the NFL. Yes, I know that he led the league in penalties last year. And, yes, I know he's led the league in holding penalties over his first three seasons. And, yes, I do understand he absolutely has to play better. But let's just look at some statistics from last year, just last year alone. Garrett Bowles allowed 31 total pressures. And, Zach, I know where you're going to go with this after I get done with this. Garrett Bowles allowed 31 total pressures last year with a myriad of quarterbacks behind him and actually played a lot better with Drew Locke in the fold. But those 31 total pressures allowed were less than Anthony Costanzo, the starting left tackle for the Indianapolis Colts, widely considered one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Marcus Cannon, Donovan Smith, David Bakhtiari, starting left tackle for the Green Bay Packers. Again, widely considered a top five left tackle in the NFL. Taylor Decker, who missed four games because he was suspended for performance-enhancing drugs, gave up more total pressures than Garrett Bowles. Colton Miller, Nate Solder, who just got, what, $55 million on a contract right before the beginning of the season from the New York Giants, had more total pressures allowed than Garrett Bowles. In fact, he was closer to 50. Now, go to going just to the quarterback hits allowed, Garrett Bowles only allowed four. That was less than Anthony Costanzo, Mitchell Swartz, who is widely considered the best right tackle in the entire league, Alejandro Villanueva, Teron Armstead, David Bakhtiari, Donovan Smith, Nate Solder, Caleb McGarry. Those are all starting left tackles in the NFL, and Garrett Bowles is allowing less total quarterback hits than them. Four sacks allowed, less than Donovan Smith, who had five, Marcus Cannon, who had six, Taylor Decker, who had seven, and again, missed four games. Nate Solder gave up 11. Caleb McGarry gave up 13. And if you break it down to when Drew Block was starting, Garrett Bowles gave up zero sacks, only two quarterback hits, two hurries, and four total pressures. He only he had zero accepted penalties called against him. There were three that were zero accepted penalties. He had three called. One of them was a holding penalty, and it came on a one yard running play when the Broncos were on the wrong side of the fifty yard line. So please stop telling me that these penalties that Garrett Bowles has are killing this offense because it's simply not true. Garrett Bowles is actually one of the best pass-protecting left tackles in the NFL, and he's not going to get Drew Locke killed. I'm tired of this narrative, and I want it to end. Please, just stop. <laughs> Let me just put my contrarian hat on for a second. I just, we talked about this, Lance, before that we went on. It's Who did he give up more than, though? That's the thing. And also, how many of the players that you mentioned, how many were first-round draft picks? How many guys were taken number 20 overall? How many guys had Mike Munchak as their position coach last year? And, and to, if we have to hold Garrett Bowles to that standard, if we have to compare him to the worst tackles in the NFL or lower-grade tackles, that's not a great barometer for your supposedly franchise left tackle who you took in the first round. So I agree with you. He's not the worst guy I've ever seen play. Donald Stevens, D. Stevenson to me was worse. Mentally Watson to me was worse, but he's not a stud either. And he has a lot to prove this season. And I don't think anyone, including you, Lance, can dispute that. No, I cannot dispute that. I'm just tired of everybody saying that he's the worst left tackle in the NFL because it's simply not true. It, it really is simply not true. And you also have to take into consideration, you and I discussed this before we went live, look at what is going on down in New Orleans with that offensive line. Yes, they have Ryan Ramchek, who turned out to be a stud. Mm. They have Andrews Pete, Teron Armstead. I mean, and those are, those are guys playing at a very high level. But do you think that they would be playing at that high of a level if they have Paxton Lynch playing the quarterback position? Do you think that they'd be playing at that high of a level with Trevor Simeon? 
with Joe Flacco or Case Keenum, guys that cannot manipulate the pocket. They stand there like statues. There's no awareness at all. And like you're, you're talking about guys that don't know how to get rid of the ball quickly. They can't manipulate the pocket. There's no a, there's no mobility for any of them. Drew Brees has one of the quickest releases in all of the NFL, and he knows what to do with the football as soon as it touches his hands. If you put Garrett Bowles in front of Drew Brees, I'll bet you he looks like a, a at least a Pro Bowl caliber player, and there's no disputing that. Pro Bowl caliber? Pro Bowl I, caliber. Would say I, I would say that confidently. I would say that, that Garrett Bowles would be a Pro Bowl caliber player if he had a quarterback that could manipulate the pocket and get the ball out of his hands quickly. I will say that with my chest. <laughs> I do agree, though, 100% that he has been given crap quarterbacks to work with, and that has hurt him as well. But you bring up Ryan Ramchek. I think part of the reason why I dislike Garrett Bowles so much at times, I wanted Ryan Ramchek so much in that draft, Lance. I, he's turned into one of the best tackles in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. he plays right tackle, but he's just so consistent consistent year in and year out he is everything that Garrett Bowles the Broncos thought they were getting in him so it still kind of chaps my behind oh no I'm I'm totally with you and you know what that's going to segue perfectly let me grab this wait no that we already we already got that super chat Christy has one in here as well um but this is let's just segue this quickly into our our top five worst moments of the Denver Broncos of over the last what uh um can we, can we just highlight this question or this comment real quick because it has me laughing right now? A guy in a manual wheelchair is more mobile than Joe Flacco, and that is a fact right there. That is an absolute fact. That is an absolute fact. Uh, Zyka coming in with a with a five dollar super oh, chat. Zyka, we you. appreciate that, man. How many players do you guys think will have hit? We will have hit one thousand yards this season. I think Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Fant all could, but I don't see Philip getting his third. Sutton man, definitely. That's, a, that's yeah, that's Sutton for sure. The, the thing about this is, is just based on what we've seen with the Pat Shermer offense, yeah, you it's a, it's a more pass-friendly offense. You're going to see three wide receivers on the field more often than not. But I don't, you don't really see the the strict dependency on that number two guy like you like you would usually see in like a even a Kyle Shanahan offense where they right. use that number two guy more often than, than Pat Shermer will. I don't think Jerry Judy, especially being a rookie this year, I don't think he's going to break that that one thousand yards. In fact, yeah. I I wrote it down. We're probably seeing anywhere from like. Seven to eight fifty, roughly somewhere around in there. Noah Fant as well. Uh, just the the lack of dependency on the tight end position, especially in Pat Shermer's offense, without having the two tight end sets. Seeing uh, one running back, three wide receivers on the field. So th- there's just not that huge dependency. And I mean, he had Evan Ingram, and Evan Ingram played very well last year. Don't don't get me wrong. In Pat Shermer's offense, for at least while he was on the field, but uh, they just he just doesn't use the tight end like that. Even going back, he had Kyle Rudolph up in Minnesota, and Kyle Rudolph was pretty much a non factor for the most part behind Adam Thielen and and uh Stefan Diggs is his name excuse me so uh, and they they obviously ran Dalvin Cook into the ground up there but still I don't see either one of those two getting over a thousand yards and receiving and Philip I don't think that he's going to get a thousand yards total let alone a thousand yards just rushing I don't think he's gonna get a thousand yards total this year I'm with you, though. Cortland Sutton is going to have 12 to 1,300 yards. He's going to be an all-pro guy, Pro Bowl guy this season. Jerry, Judy, though, Noah Fan. there's just so many mouths to feed in this offense, Lance. I mean, how do you disperse the ball to everyone? And for for them all to get 1,000 yards, it means Drew Locke probably has like 4,500 yards. And that might be a little much... Uh, too high of a projection for a first-year starter. Melvin Gordon, though, I mean, all-purpose yards, he can be a 1,000-yard guy. He can be, probably, if he has a good season, a 1,000-yard rushing guy. So I'll throw him in there as well. Sutton, Melvin Gordon, the two two most likeliest ones to hit the 1K mark. 
Yeah, Sutton, Melvin Gordon for sure. Philip Lindsay, like I was saying, I don't think that he's going to get the the touches necessary to get over a right. thousand yards in the rushing. That's what I'm saying, and especially with his inefficiencies as far as a pass catcher goes, I don't think he's going to get a thousand yards in total this year. I think he's you're probably going to see him in this. I would have put him probably about the same as uh, Jerry Judy, seven to eight hundred yards total, maybe. Um, Melvin Gordon's going to get the lion's share of the carries and the lion's share of the receptions as well. So there's, it, there's just not, a, again, like Zach said, there's just, there's too many mouths to feed and not enough footballs to go around for everybody to, to eclipse that thousand yard mark. So, which is a good problem to have too. Yep. All right. So guys, whenever we pull up a comment like this and it says Facebook user, this is a guy that's watching in the mile high huddle Facebook page. Uh, it's the super fan group that we have on Facebook. Make sure you guys go on and, and join that. If you guys are on, uh, on Facebook, it's the mile high huddle super fan group. Just, just search that and you'll be able to find it. But this, uh, this Facebook user says, so do you think that Judy will be rookie of the year and become the best duo receiver set in the league? Uh, eventually maybe. Yeah. I, I don't it, it, eventually yeah they could probably become the the best wide receiver duo in the league speaking just specifically to Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton but as far as as we just got saying Jerry Judy being a rookie of the year this year that's a, that's a hard bargain for me to it kind of yeah. like you know Drew Locke being that and, and I understand what Colin Coward was saying but that that next second year quarterback to to win the MVP I don't think that's going to be possible for Drew Locke. Now, Jerry Judy being the the winning the rookie of the year, that's probably more likely than Drew Locke getting the the MVP award this year. But I don't see that as very likely either. Maybe if Cortland Sutton wasn't in this offense already, Jerry Judy can take over and be the number one guy. But being the number two guy, and then you have KJ Hamler and all the other players, it would take just a phenomenal uh, breakout, unpredicted season from Jerry Judy to hit that mark. I don't think it's going to happen, but. That being said, in a couple years from now, they will be, I think, among the best wide receiver duos in the NFL, if not the best. I mean, for years to come, Locke is going to have a plethora of weapons to choose from. Yeah, we're actually going to break down your comments on Cortland Sutton tomorrow. Eric and I are going to break down your comments on Cortland Sutton from the other day regarding him being a better wide receiver than Demarius Thomas and Rod Smith being the best wide receiver in franchise history. We're going to take a look at that tomorrow on Dove Valley Deep Divers. There's just my little shameless plug for what we've got going on for tomorrow. Uh, shot creator coming in with an interesting comment. Aaron Rodgers literally throws off his back foot on every pass. So I don't see it as a problem because they both got the arm strength. Your thoughts? Uh, it's apples to art. You can't really compare Locke to Aaron Rodgers just yet. I mean, that's Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, and Locke has to kind of prove that he can win consistently by throwing off his back foot. For now, it's a character flaw that he has to fix. The, the thing about that is Aaron Rodgers still knows how to step up into the pocket and deliver the right. ball cleanly and accurately. And he, I mean, it's it's much like Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes has these crazy arm angles, and he makes it work for himself, but he still knows how to play the quarterback position correctly and utilize that good footwork. That I mean, there's still some sloppiness, don't get me wrong, but Aaron Rodgers specifically has very good clean footwork when he steps up and drives the football. So Drew Locke has to be able to manage that aspect on a consistent basis, and we didn't see that from him last year in his five starts. So being able to do so like that, then be able to manipulate the pocket a little bit to get that off-balance throw, throw off your back foot create some different arm angles and sling the ball and using that arm talent yeah he does have immense arm talent and i'm very excited to, for his potential but you got to learn how to play correctly before you can play incorrectly I think Tony Romo is a better comparison. If we're yeah. even, I know, hyperbole comparisons, I think Tony Romo, he made plays unconventionally. He broke the pocket. He used, he had a little mobility to him, and he had this escapability, he had the arm strength. So I think that's a little better comparison than Aaron Rodgers. A little too uh, sunshine for me, Lance. Yeah, no, I, I am definitely in agreement with that. 
All right, Terry Randall coming in from Canada showing that Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is, in fact, a hashtag state of being. There Terry, you go, man. We love got you, it. man. Hey, I got it. Look, look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the good things now. Uh, just <laughs> showing sure. some love, man. Hey, with a, with a string of emojis. Uh, hit the like button, Broncos Country. Yes, please do hit that like button. We appreciate that. And again, if you guys love what we're doing tonight, love the conversation, share it. Get it out in front of as many Broncos fans' eyes as you possibly can because we love and appreciate all of your guys' support. So, Zach, are you seeing anything that we have missed so far? I think we got caught up as far as the, yeah. the chat stream goes. Juana, do you see anything that we have uh, we haven't highlighted? I any super yeah. chats that we missed? I don't see any super chats right now, so we'll go ahead and just uh, transition transition this conversation. We are at forty eight minutes for right now. Uh, Darian P with a coming in on super Lance rigged the raffle so I can win JK JK unless dot dot dot. Uh, speaking of that, before we get into our next topic of conversation, uh, the Dove Valley Deep Divers are currently doing a giveaway right now. You have to be following me, Eric, and the show on Twitter and answer this question correctly. This is going back to your Dove Valley Deep Divers knowledge. You have to been paying attention to the show. Eric has an autographed mini helmet and a jersey from one Broncos player. Who is it? If you answer that question correctly, follow me, Eric, and the show on Twitter. You are eligible for a drawing of a Dove Valley Deep Divers hat and a Dove Valley Deep Divers t-shirt. So go on and make sure you guys are checking that out. We'd love to see some of your guesses. There's been a, a few right ones. I will say that there is a few right ones right now, and I'm fairly certain you know who you are. Uh, but there's been multiple ones that are wrong. That have have right name that, that have the right name of of one of the things that Eric has, but uh, not both. So, all right, Eclipse Stormborn coming in with a five dollar super chat. Happy Thank Thursday! You. Checking in late, seven thousand plus. Hashtag eight K on the way. Hashtag embrace the hate. Hashtag state of being. Hey, we appreciate you coming in, man. Thank you once again for that. All right, now top five worst moments ever. Zach, go ahead. Start it off from number five. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go in order. I, I will say I'm going to highlight two games from 2017. The 2017 Dolphins loss, I, I believe it was 35-9. to nine. The Broncos got their ass kicked in that game. And that was Jay Vance Cutler. Joseph's former team that he was the coordinator for. Jay Cutler, he, he just destroyed them. It was an embarrassment, and I think that sowed a lot of discontent in the locker room, Lance. That was one of the worst losses I can remember off the top of my head uh, since covering the Broncos. Yeah, that one, that one there, and I know where you're going with this one on your next one. It's actually one of mine as well. The the New York Giants loss coming out of the bye. Oh. Vance Joseph's first first uh, prime time, the prime time Giants team. Oh, it was and it was a waxing too. The Broncos Ow. got handed to them. That was so bad. But uh, me for for. Uh, my probably the the lowest one, and I know I just got done defending him, but drafting Garrett Bowles over Ryan Ramchek was probably oh. one of the. I wanted Ryan Ramchek, but really the guy that I wanted the most in that draft class turned out to probably be the worst of the three in Cam Robinson. So I'm glad that I missed on that one. But uh, uh, yeah, drafting Garrett Bowles over Ryan Ramchek, number number twenty overall, 2017. That was that was a big whiff for me. And then Vance Joseph, obviously, man, the whole oh. bringing in Vance Joseph, period. It you, you could have had Kyle Shanahan and Wade Phillips. You settled for Vance Joseph and Joe Woods. Elway, like, what were you thinking? I still can't get over that. One of the worst hires in any capacity, in any sport, an unqualified guy getting a major job like that. That's up there for me, too. Let me just throw in Joe Flacco. I mean, that's, you guys, everyone knows how I feel about that. 
awful, awful trade after the Osweiler disaster, after the Paxton Lynch disaster, after the Case Keenum disaster, and you're going to trade for Joe Flacco, who looked like a baby deer running on linoleum when he scrambled outside the pocket. It was br- My eyes still hate me from being forced to watch Joe Flacco. So that's, <laughs> that's number two. I have one more after that, which we can both agree on, Lance. Yeah. Uh, I do got a quick question for you, though. Which yeah. was the worst signing, in your opinion, Melvin Gordon or Joe Flacco? That's no question. I mean, it's, I mean, you inherit not only Joe Flacco, but also his contract, and you make him the understood quarterback well, of the team. Well, you just gave $13.5 million guaranteed to Melvin Gordon, and you were very against that contract. At least Melvin Gordon's still a good football player. Right. Joe Flacco he's, sucked. He's still kind of in his prime. Joe Flacco's broken down. I mean, he's not going to even be the backup in New York this season. He's not going to be healthy. So, uh, number one, though, Lance, obviously, for me anyway, it's Pax Lynch, excuse me, not only drafting him, but his coup de grace as a Bronco crying on the bench in Oakland. I mean, how, why? You don't do that as kids. You don't do that as high schoolers. Why are you crying? It was an embarrassment to the game, to the Broncos, to everything. So that's definitely number one for me. And your, your franchise guy, the first round pick, he could be the face of the franchise, taking over for Peyton Manning potentially. And he is a video game playing, mentally weak, you know, physically limited player. I just, it's, it's a disaster all the way around. Yeah, I've got a couple more to share with you guys. Uh, the, the the game in Oakland, it was in a prime time game a couple of years ago. The the game in which Dwayne Harris ran that pump back for a touchdown, 99 yards. After the ball bounced oh. over his head, he picked it up at the one-yard <laughs> line and ran it. That game right there literally made me want to puke. Um, obviously, drafting Paxton Lynch is up there high for me. But going back just a little bit before you started covering the team, the, the worst moment I think I've ever witnessed in my entire Broncos lifetime is watching Manny Ramirez snap the football over Peyton Manning's head to start Super Bowl 48. That was that, it. As soon as that happened, as soon as that happened, I looked and I turned, I was watching the game over at my dad's house. I turned, I looked at my dad and I said, the Broncos just lost the Super Bowl. At that one play, <laughs> I knew the Broncos just yeah. lost the Super Bowl. It was literally the worst moment I've ever witnessed in my entire lifetime as being, as far as being a Broncos fan. But uh, they made up for it though, a couple years later. Yeah. All right, guys, go ahead and share some of the worst moments that you guys think. I see there was one here from Charlie Beagle in on YouTube, the 65-yard field goal <laughs> attempt against Houston at the end of the bad. half. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, Eclipse Stormborn coming back in. Scenario, Broncos win two out of the first three Super Bowls. Do you think Elway is still around for those uh, 97 and 98 seasons, or does he retire sooner? Hashtag 7K+. This is an interesting question. I think he stays. I think his legacy was too tied up at that point. We all know Elway's ego. You know, he he always wants to you know uh, be the the best, and he wants to take over. And uh, I don't think he would have retired sooner. I think I, yeah, he would he would have lasted. I agree with you on that, just because he is such a fierce competitor, and all right. he wanted to do was win. And when he walked away after Super Bowl thirty three, the, the champion of the world, back to back seasons. I mean, there's nothing more that he had to prove at that particular point. Everybody knew he was one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever set foot on a football field. But if he does win two Super Bowls in, in the first three, uh, say they don't get waxed by the the Forty Niners and the Redskins, like say that they at least compete. Still, though, Elway at 97, 98, 98, 99, that was only, what, year 15 and 16 of his career? So, like, 16 years, we're seeing Tom Brady right now playing at 43 years old, the the, the fiercest competitor we've seen probably since John, since John Elway. Like, there's, there's no reason for John Elway to – 
have walked away after he won those first two Super Bowls. I mean, Tom Brady doesn't have the the nearly severe injury history, but the the game has evolved so drastically right now to protect the quarterback position. And yeah, Tom Brady did have his knee blown out in 2008, but I mean, we're talking about multiple knee injuries for John Elway, a, a bad shoulder as well. I mean, that the game back in the 80s and early 90s was so rough that John Elway at 16 years, walking away at 37 years old, he was beat like Tom Brady is now. And Tom Brady's six years older than he is. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I still don't think it, it. You know, it's, it's revisionist history right now. It's all just a, a guess and what if. But I don't think he would have walked away. Uh, Kevin, coming you, back, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin coming back in. I bless your chops because I love you guys. Hey, we appreciate you, man. It's all love, Kevin. I appreciate you. Yeah. Um, one couple more honorable mentions. We have a few minutes, uh, Lance. The 2018 Jets loss. Uh, they got yep. killed by Sam Darnold, the guy who gets mono playing in the NFL. Uh, that was pretty bad too. And also 2017, the Chargers shutout loss. It was their first shutout loss, I believe, in like 20 years. Yep. They went on that eight-game losing streak for the first time in 50 years. 2017 was just the worst. Draft class, coaching, game it's, results. It was just it terrible. Started, it started in January. The yes. whole the, the whole thing started. As soon as, as, soon as Kubiak walked out of the building, it was yep. all downhill from it was, there. It was completely downhill from there. I mean, it, we're we're talking about having to watch Trevor Simeon again for the next year but at that <laughs> particular point. But you you get uh the Mark Sanchez debacle in there. You get oh. uh Vance Joseph being the head coach over Kyle Shanahan. Everything about uh, th- then the Broncos re-signed Brock Osweiler in training yes. camp. <laughs> who, who, ends up, who ends up throwing a fumble? during a game like how do you even do that like only Brock Osweiler uh you know what go back here you go another bad history moment for me uh back 2012 I believe is when Brock Osweiler was drafted I pounded the table as hard as I could on (laughs) media platform Uh, I was on ESPN forums at that particular time just as a commenter and whatnot and I pounded the table for the Broncos to take Russell Wilson in in the second round over Brock Osweiler and damn it I was right you were right yeah I should have listened to you all right, let's see here. Grab a couple more questions, guys. We're we're at the 57-minute mark, so we're going to have to wind this down. Uh-oh, Zach Cuss. Chad! <laughs> He's not watching. <laughs> the, the inmates run the asylum tonight, Lance. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. All right, Christy coming in with a $10 donation. Christy, we appreciate you. You are the yes. queen of Mile High Huddle. Hey, I, I listened to you the other day. You did a very good job. It's very brave of you to step up onto the show. It's not easy to, to step up, let your no. voice be heard. It, it is very... Even today, even today, coming onto this show and, and knowing the following and knowing the the royalty that I the royalty that I have to my what left side, I believe. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it, it, I even got nervous to start the show. I, I get nervous before every show just because I know that there's there's a lot of people watching me right now. I mean, seven thousand subscribers, and that, that's not even the most the majority of the people that are even watching right now. Right. There's still a bunch of people that aren't even subscribed. But Gary, making eighty one is cool as hell. Thanks, guys. Christy, thank you. We thank appreciate you. your love and support. She did a great job the other night. It's true. It's not easy yeah. at all. And she handled herself really well. So we want to yeah. have you back on, Christy. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Uh, Eclipse Stormborn coming back in. My worst Broncos moment was seeing Elway get hurt in that 91 AFC championship game. Kubiak almost brought us back, but we could have beat the Giants that year. Hashtag 7K+. Plus. Uh, that was actually, you're, you're going back to the, the time when Lance was born here. So 91 <laughs> AFC championship. I would have been like a month old at that particular point. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, I will say, though, that the 96 divisional uh, playoff game uh, in Denver against the Jaguars, I do remember that one. I do remember that one. That was a, a heartbreaking moment. The Broncos should have went back to back to back that with that. That yeah. that uh, that 96 team was probably better than the 97 team was. Loaded team, yeah. All right, Mark. There, Langley, he there he is. Mark coming in here with a $5 super. Uh, breaking news. Lindsay is the new candidate for head and shoulders commercial. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag troll doll on crack. Hashtag Zach the man. Hashtag football priest. Hashtag state of being. And hashtag huddle up pod. Mark, every time you come in, you always have something wild and wacky to say, man. We appreciate that. We where's definitely appreciate it. Where's the toilet bowls comments though, Mark? Where's our, where's our, where's our Garrett Bowles obligatory comments tonight? Missing it. All right, let's see here. See if we can grab another one here. Um, Kenneth coming in here. Uh, just think we almost a linebacker. We almost have a linebacker core like Fangio in New Orleans. If we don't beat the Raiders at the end of 2018, we maybe draft Devin White. And if Locke doesn't go on a run, we draft Simmons. I guess I kind of understand that. Um, so the the Raiders at the end of 2018, that would have been – what game was that? Just trying to think here. Was that uh, – are you talking about last year? No, the Devin White was the year before. I'm not sure what game you're talking about there. Um, and then if Locke doesn't go on a run, we draft Simmons. Uh, now, that is one thing that I that I do want to say with, with Shelby Harris regarding him specifically uh, knocking down that pass to, to close out the Raiders game this last year. If he doesn't do that, if the Raiders go on to score that two-point conversion and end up beating the Broncos, the Broncos pick 10th overall this year. Just a little fun fact of information for you. Uh, not that I'm sure – I don't know if that would have changed the Broncos' draft strategy. Obviously, they were targeting the wide receivers there. Probably could have seen Henry Ruggs in a Denver Broncos uniform right. instead of Jerry Judy. But at the same time, 15th to 10th, that's a major, major fall, especially it, when you got blue-chip players like that. Plus, Fangio showed that he doesn't really prioritize inside linebackers. He didn't go out yep. and sign one. He didn't spend a lot of money. He didn't use a high-round draft pick on one. He makes you know chicken salad from chicken you-know-what, and that he does that really well with uh, A.J. Johnson. And also, Isaiah Simmons – God, I feel bad for him. Stuck in Arizona, Vance Joseph, I mean, who's who's already admitted Vance came out and said he's not going to play him like he played in college. So that's already the, the VJ effect. And I just I, – the sooner he's out, the sooner Simmons will be a better player in the NFL. He's not a safety. He's not a safety. <laughs> he can do it that's all. I mean, you're, you're pigeonholing him into one role. It's just – it's 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 Vance. That's all I can say. Yeah. That's true. Eclipse, man, you don't have to do this. You really don't. We we appreciate your comments I mean, and everything. You don't have to come in and keep throwing throwing dollar bills at us. We, I mean, we appreciate that too. But still, <laughs> just for you to come in here and and have a conversation is more than enough. You, you don't have to do stuff like that. I was I was only thirty seven, uh, so I'm only thirty seven. I was eight when I watched that AFC Championship game in in uh, in nineteen ninety one. So. Brian, coming in. Please don't miss me tonight. I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about there, but if you have a question, get it in. We're going to have to wind this down here, guys. We're at the hour mark right now. So, Zach, I'm not sure what you got going on, but I've got a loving girlfriend up there that is eight months pregnant and is like, is just a little rough right now. So, I'm going to go, <laughs> go up there and go handle your business, Lance. Yeah. So, Zach, uh, before we get out of here with the final matters of business, man, any last words? It's been fun tonight. We should do yeah. this more often. We should uh, kind of I, I, it's be interesting if we kind of rotated sometimes for the host of the show, kind of get me on DVD or get you on Huddle Up and get one of us on building the Broncos. I think it's cool. And I think the fans let me know in the comments, guys, if you liked seeing yeah. us tonight, if you like the host change up, maybe it's something we can incorporate over the uh, the dead portion of the offseason until training camp. 
Yeah, and getting some of those those split views. Obviously, my views on Garrett Bowles are a little bit different than Zach's, and I know, I, like, or just even you know the the Melvin Gordon conversation. We had a really good question the other day about special teams. I don't know if you caught that last week. Uh, there was a guy that was like, "Who is making up your special teams roster? Is it mostly linebackers and tight ends, or what?" Like, so we broke it down as far as the coverage units and everything like that. So it's it's just a lot of fun to be able to have these cross conversations with everybody, get some new people watching all the shows and everything, get some new questions for everyone as well and to to break down and have this fun kind of a banter i really appreciate it man i appreciate you for for thinking of me first and saying hey lance come join the the huddle up pod and and have fun on the mailbag i appreciate that of course man i put my request in for you and uh, we worked well during the draft together it was fun it was it was fun to get us all together on one single pod and uh you know what differing opinions makes for good conversation it's no fun if we all agree uh, along the same lines you and i share a lot of the same views but we disagree on certain things and uh we can go back and forth and exchange our viewpoints and, and come out appreciating that more in the end yeah, absolutely, man. And again, thank you for, for having me on. Thank you all for joining us on the Huddle Up podcast. You guys can make sure you guys are following me. Let's see here if we just pulled up the wrong banner. Uh, you can follow me at Sanderson MHH for Zach at Kelberman NFL on Twitter. Also, make sure you guys are following at Huddle Up Pod for instant news. It's the easiest way for you to keep your fingers on the pulse of what is going on with the entire Huddle Up Podcast Network, including my show, the Dove Valley Deep Divers, and building the Broncos as well. Uh, follow at Mile High Huddle for instant news updates and analysis, breaking news, film uh, film articles, stuff like that on your Denver Broncos. Also, if you guys have a chance, head on over to at uh, the let's see Huddle Up Pod the merch store get your swag on get yourself a hat a t-shirt a hoodie face mask the, the face mask is just flying right now yeah. it's, and it's so comfortable too i, I love i love yeah. mine it's it's amazing but head on over if you guys are, are in a financial position and or willing to do so it's a great way to support the show and if not if you guys aren't in a position to do so the three things that you can do to show us the most love and, and appreciation of anything is subscribe wherever you guys are watching on youtube twitter twitch facebook anything like that subscribe to mile high huddle also like every video you guys watch and if you love what we're doing share it out to everyone now zach anything else before we get out of here uh i'll plug myself if you, if, if you guys want any kelberman corner question answer if you guys have a specific broncos question you want, want turn into an article hit me up on twitter uh message me you know tweet at me i will go through the questions if i get them and i want to make it into an article so i want to have that next one out fairly soon yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, my little shameless plug here before I close out the show, head on over to milehighhuddle.com. I got an article up. It went up this morning. Uh, five defensive players that are key to Vic Fangio's defense uh, taking that next step in 2020. So head on over and check that, guys. Uh, check that out, guys. But with that, you guys stay safe and take care. For Zach, I'm Lance. You guys have a great evening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. 
They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.